The following is rated S for spoilers. Pinocchio, you shouldn't lie to me. I am your papa. But I'm telling the truth. Then why is your nose growing? It's not. Hello and welcome to the Popcorn Hangover. My name is Alex. My name is Graham. And today we are discussing Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, directed by Guillermo del Toro and Mark Gustafin, written by Guillermo del Toro and Patrick McHale, based on the book by Carlo Collodi, starring Gregory Mann, Ian McGregor, and David Bradley, among others, releasing December 9th, 2022, officially on Netflix, with an estimated budget of $35 million and an estimated worldwide gross of $70.3 million in its limited release uh, yes you did hear that right i am joined by the one and only graham garber today i'm back he's back you're back, back with baby. a vengeance <laughs> coming back with pinocchio no but pinocchio yeah <laughs> good one honestly jump on i missed yeah. i missed a few great ones honestly but, yeah well, um, well we're happy to have you back graham excited, let's yeah. just jump right into it what were your thoughts on Guillermo del toro's pinocchio dude when we were talking about what to do and uh-huh. you literally recommended pinocchio uh-huh. i was like literally no I literally, I mean, I've, Can I I've stop never, you right there and yeah. just, just say, you gave a really great suggestion of Wednesday. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's really popular. Let's check it out. And I just said a quick, a quick 60 second review. I watched 30 minutes of the first episode and said, <laughs> I cannot do this anymore. That was the most garbage writing I've ever seen. And I don't know if it was bad directing or bad acting or bad editing or a combination of everything. I couldn't, I, I could not sit there and watch that whole show. So I'm sorry Dang. that. I had to, I had to veto that, that, that option. I can tell you when you sent me that review, Uh you were like, absolutely not. We got to come up with something else. I was about to sit down and watch it. I actually (laughs) haven't even seen Wednesday yet myself, Uh but I was going to get through it over the weekend. Um, and this honestly, no, this was, this was a fantastic option to go Mm -hmm. with. Um, I had no expectations going into this movie. Um, I don't think I've ever even seen like the Disney Pinocchio, no shot. I've ever read the book. Um, (laughs) but like, I know that, you know, you know, the story, you know, the nose grows, the lying, all the jazz. So like, I kind of like, I just thought it was like just Pinocchio, mm-hmm. but, and you mentioned it was, it's, it's all stop motion, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like a big thing for us. So it was in our past too. And so, um, no, I was really excited going into this. Um, and I guess I was really excited coming out of it. I've really enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't really sure what to expect. Yeah. Um, just because yeah, like Pinocchio has been so overdone, especially in the last year. This is the third Pinocchio movie we've gotten i remember um, the because what was um tom hanks yeah so there was a pinocchio. yeah the, the smekis pinocchio with mm-hmm. tom hanks in it on disney plus that apparently was awful i never saw it i didn't either there was another one <laughs> called like i am pinocchio and it's like a russian version i think uh that had a lot of it's like animated mm. um no one liked that one either because it's, it's been done over and over and over again yeah um but yeah this wasn't this wasn't just another a remake of the Disney version that everyone knows and loves. This was very much a retelling of the original story by Carlo Collodi, which nice little Easter egg to name, name the, the son Carlo after, yeah. after the, after the author of, of the story. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was very different. I wasn't really sure what to expect <laughs> just when I heard that, it's Pinocchio, but with Nazis and Mussolini and all of that. I was I was kind of a little. I wasn't sure how that was gonna play, 
But then it worked really, really well. It worked well. really well. <laughs> yeah. I didn't literally when it started and it was like going through and I was like watching and as far as I could remember Pinocchio and the yeah. whole like circus and mm-hmm. being like signed on the contract, all that stuff. Like I remembered that and people were like trying to steal him and he became a real boy and all that stuff. And that like relatively happens like in the first like 20, 30 minutes, like it kicks on and goes. Yeah. And so I was like, I've still got a, quite a bit of this movie left. What is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it took such a different take. Yeah. But it, it literally kept me like it, it held my attention the entire time. It, yeah. I was, I was like, zoned. <laughs> I was surprised by how zoned in it was. Yeah. It wasn't like, I got a call in the middle of it and I was like, do I just ignore this? <laughs> <Can I> just, <laughs> just keep watching. <laughs> um, because yeah, like I was, I was very engaged throughout it all. I also wasn't expecting it to be kind of a musical. Um, yeah, that first musical number kind of threw me off a little bit. Like mm-hmm. that—that's the one time that I was a little like taken out of it. Was I just wasn't expecting that to be in something that seemed more realistic, having a heavy tone um, to it. Yeah, but I also like the comedy of it because musicals, for it to be a, a musical, it has to singing and dancing has to be part of the way that that world communicates right. and no one thinks anything of it. Um, and every single number is some type of performance or there's some reason for them to be singing mm-hmm. except for when Sebastian J cricket tries to sing at that yeah. point, it very much is like a musical number and then he gets cut off every single time. Yeah. I thought that was a funny little, little joke that not many people probably got mm-hmm. because they're not, nerds like i am but like i thought that was a fun joke to be like this isn't technically a musical but we're gonna right. we know everyone's gonna call it this so let's just like make a little nod to it yeah. and then just smash a cricket yeah who's trying to i i enjoyed the little numbers i was not uh-huh. expecting it whatsoever and honestly when it when it when the first one jumped in i was a little thrown off but mm-hmm. i was also like i mean maybe this was like happened in the disney one i had no I mean, idea yeah, yeah. So the I was disney one is very much it. a musical okay cool 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 i kind of assumed it alex had never seen it so i was mm-hmm. like eh, okay um but no, it was super fun. Like I, and that's the thing is I like, it was very, not like dark. I don't. I it had a darker this. tone to it. I was thinking about this, and you you have like younger family members. So yeah, maybe you could answer but like, I wouldn't watch this with a kid. Yeah, I, I was about to say yeah. like, would you watch this with it with a kid? Not the kids. I, I mean, honestly, like I would. Dude, I don't even. I mean, like obviously, like some stuff they're not gonna pick up on. Like, obviously, they're not going to know what's up with Mussolini and Nazis and stuff. Yeah. They're not going to. Like, none of that. But, like, also with, like, but, like, when, you know, Carlos dies and then Geppetto just homie becomes washed up and is I mean, yeah, he's just, like, super drunk and everything. I was surprised to see that. Let's go of everything. He stops Mm -hmm. wood making. It's just, like, he just sees life kind of go downhill a bit. And I'm just, like, which, I mean, like, it's, it's understandable. Like, if you were to lose a kid, like. I get it, but also like, yeah, like kids probably wouldn't pick up on that as much, but that's not something that they're going to really mm-hmm. <laughs> hold their attention to. So I'm just like, it, yeah. And then same thing with like just the Nazis and uh, you know, what was kind of filtered in with that? I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be show, showing <laughs> yeah. this to many kids probably. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, they can stick to Disney's version. <laughs> it was really interesting. Like the sense of realism that Guillermo del Toro inserted into it. Like, cause mm-hmm. Guillermo del Toro in general, just, really likes making anti-war movies um, like with shape of water and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so it makes sense. They would do this. Uh, but when I was doing this, I didn't know a lot about the history of this film. Like I had heard about it mm-hmm. for a little bit um, just cause he has a big name and everything. Um, but when I was doing research on budgets and everything, um, I found a really cool quote uh, from Guillermo del Toro talking about this movie. 
uh, I did not realize this movie took him 15 years to get funded. Um, and from the sounds of it, he basically had this exact vision of what came about for 15 years. Uh, wow. I think it's an aspect of filmmaking that not a lot of people realize is like these ideas don't just. Okay, maybe with Marvel movies, this is different. But for most <laughs> movies, like, these ideas don't just pop up and they write it down and it gets made within a couple of right. years. Like, a lot of this stuff happens over a very long period of time. There's lots of thought that's put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and with something like this, for it to be as, for an idea like this to work the way it is, like, you have to have a lot of thought and mm-hmm. care into it. And you have to have a real appreciation for the original story. But, uh, yeah, there was this quote from Variety during uh, the the Shape of Water premiere, uh, he was talking and he said, I've been looking forward. I've been looking for financing for almost 10 years. We have the puppets. We have the design. I have, I always or almost always complicate my life. None of the movies I want to do are easy and they don't belong to anything or anyone. No one wanted to do superheroes when I did Hellboy. No one wanted to do monsters when I did Pacific Rim. When I announced Pinocchio, I got my calls. Yeah, but it's set during the rise of Mussolini. It's an anti-fascist Pinocchio. Um, if you have $35 million and if you want to make a Mexican happy, here I am, is what he said in 2017. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, like, Whoa. when you pitch a movie, when you pitch it, like, you were towards making a Pinocchio, like, that's all I knew kind of going into yeah, it, really. Yeah. And that made sense. But then when you pitch, yeah, we're going to make a Pinocchio set in fascist Italy and Mussolini is going to, like, make an appearance in all of this. That's a really hard sell it's for, a, rough, for yeah. a children's movie. When already Pinocchio is a pretty hard sell because it's just made over and over and over again. Right, right. $35 million is relatively cheap. I mean, yeah, they make Disney Plus shows for $10 million shy of that yeah. uh, per episode. Um, like $35 million is relatively cheap, uh, and they've more than doubled their profits already for a Netflix mm-hmm. straight-to-streaming original. Yeah, um, which is great. Yeah, I'm very impressed. I almost saw it when I was in El Paso a couple weeks ago because I had some downtime, and I was like, I might go to the theater, and they were showing Pinocchio. But so it did have an actual, like... It had a very limited release. release. Okay. Um, yeah, like Dope. I know Alamo was showing it, mm-hmm. and the, yeah, it was very limited release uh, okay. because it is a Netflix thing. Yeah. Uh, but I almost wonder if Guillermo del Toro just like wanted to just put a make middle finger to everyone who said it wouldn't work. Yeah. And just wanted to like, just get it out there. A little make bit. again, a relatively small amount of money back very quickly. Um, yeah. Cause that was in a weekend. Um, Which he did. He did that. <laughs> yeah. With, yeah. With a very hard sell. Yeah. Um, so I think it's safe to say that you like this movie. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. I yeah. also, I don't think I liked it as much as some of these ratings give it. I did like it. Uh, Ryan Pino has a 97% critic score and 84% audience score. IMDb gave it an 8 out of 10, letterboxed a 4 at 0.1 out of 5. You made a, a, an interesting observation. This is like one of the highest IMDb ratings we've had mm-hmm. in a while. I feel like a lot of them sit in like the 7-ish range. Yeah, yeah. if not lower. I mean, yeah, uh-huh. depending on yeah what we're reviewing. But yeah, and honestly for me, like I, I kind of fall in line with some of those, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I know my main thing is like if I would watch this at home again, I honestly would. I thought sure. it looked it looked great like the detail and and with it being stop motion and using i mean all like physical mm-hmm. I, I mean yeah i think do you call them puppets yeah, like, yeah i mean puppets. Yeah, puppets and yeah all the, everything for um to make this movie it was so well detailed it mm-hmm. looked so good everything it was just fun like i just yeah i would sit there and watch that over and over again i loved yeah. it yeah it was very visually appealing mm-hmm. and it was like visually refreshing yeah almost yeah um We'll talk about that next segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, little little tease early on. <laughs> uh, 
uh, I want to talk about some of this cast. Yeah. Uh, I surprise only, in the cast. I only gave like a, a few people because uh, I made the list before uh, I'd actually seen the movie. Uh, so I wasn't sure like, you know, who to give the most credit to. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ian McGregor, I think, gave an amazing performance as Sebastian yeah. J. Cricket. I, I was very impressed. He can sing, apparently. Um, Why would he not be able to? I mean, he's like a motorcycle riding Jedi. I just, I, I don't know. I would, I wasn't expecting Hugh McGregor to have a. Homie's oh, got the soft spot in his heart. A nice, a nice little singing voice. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a soft spot. I mean, he lives in a heart. That is true. So yeah, there it's you perfect go. for him. There you go. Um, David Bradley also did fantastic as Geppetto. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were some very interesting uh, casting choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are obvious. Uh, for example, like. Christoph Waltz playing Count Volpe mm-hmm. makes a ton of sense. Christoph Waltz is like, I just, every time when I was watching him, I just kept thinking of the glorious bastards where he plays a Nazi soldier um, <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, Ron Perlman as Podesta was also fantastic. Yeah. Um, when you have characters like Finn Wolfhard, who I did not recognize as Candlewick. Um, yeah. Maybe if it was like Finn Wolfhard, like voiced this like five years ago, I would maybe believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I literally, I was just telling you, I like saw this, I like saw a clip on like Twitter or Instagram, just something came up about Pinocchio and it had, um, it just was like, yeah, with like the casting, like voices of like Finn Wolfhard and it showed him a side by side clip of him and Candlewick. And I was like, dude, no shot. No way would I've ever guessed that mm-hmm. or even have placed that actor there. And same thing with Kate Blanchett being, yeah, Kate Blanchett, I think <laughs> might be the star WTF was going on with this casting, uh, Kate Blanchett playing Spazzatura, uh, the monkey. monkey. Um, Yeah, that was... (laughs) Blew my mind. uh, Yeah, no. I mean, uh, Kate Blanchett makes lots of appearances in Guillermo del Toro movies, so it makes sense that she's in the movie, that she would be in the movie somewhere. In some fashion. Um, But yeah, as as a monkey, I mean, she sounds... They, she made good monkey noises. She killed it. I was gonna say, I'm, Fan, I'm not complaining. Fan, it was great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was expecting it to be played by like an actor who does like just animal, animal noises. Sounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I saw like Kate Blanchett. I spied the tour. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> am I am I spazzing right now? Like I thought spazzed tour was the monkey. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was good. That was good yeah, for our audio listeners. Graham, Graham really appreciated that. That little, Got a little reaction. Out of um, uh, yeah. I, I was a little, mm-hmm. I was confused. And I mean, yeah. I don't know how I did not place Tilda Swinton as the woods, wood sprite, mm-hmm. wood spirit thing. Cause yeah. dude, it, I mean, it sounded like her and it sounds like every, I mean, it's, it's her. So I was yeah. like, yeah, I, I recognize the voice, but I was also like, maybe it's just like the mystically like style. That, that's something I'll say about this movie too, is there weren't a lot of times where I feel like for the most part, I've had the exact same reaction as you to that, where mm-hmm. like I'll see it and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I hear that. But as I'm watching it, I wasn't distracted by that. No, um, no not at all. N- not even a little bit. Like it was, I was just engaged in the story when it was happening. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like Tilda Swinton's played that kind of character. Again, like she sounded like she was in Narnia, like she was the yeah. the, the witch in Narnia. Felt like and a, yeah, similar. It was a very similar vocal yeah. performance. And like, but I didn't, I didn't really pick up on that immediately. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, Really? Oh, that's who that distract is. Yeah. me from what was happening. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any anyone else that really stood out. I don't really recognize many other main roles, but yeah, no. For those that were in there, yeah, I had no dude. Besides Del Toro directing this, yeah, I would have never 
uh, seen. I mean, I would have never guessed any of these cast mm-hmm. members. I didn't even know Ian McGregor did. That's a surprise, man. Because like, I should have picked up on I that. I thought it. it I should have known. He, he wasn't. I guess he was doing a bit more of like his normal British accent. It uh, was a lot heavier, yeah. But which I guess I'm just not. Yeah, it, like I feel like it was just his like normal voice. Yeah, which I guess if you really only watch Star Wars, you guess I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I say I honestly don't think I've seen much else. That yeah, he's done. So um, I guess that's that, that makes a little more sense. I suppose that's fair. But yeah, no, he did great, dude. Mm, I also I noticed something interesting, um, just with this year in general, mm-hmm. and we'll probably talk about this again in a few weeks uh, in our 2022 wrap up. Um, but like I said, this is the third Pinocchio movie we've gotten within a one-year time period. Mm-hmm. It's the second of 2022. Um, but then I was, all, I was just I was just thinking about it. Um, this year we got Top Gun Maverick, of course. Mm-hmm. No one can shut up about it. It's yeah. back in theaters again back, yeah, for whatever reason. Because um, why not? And I feel like part of the reason, and I, I, I don't, I don't really understand why they did this, but it's in theaters at the same time as Devotion, which is also a movie about naval aviators um also starring glenn powell as oh yeah naval aviators um a very i mean different very different movies but in terms of like Same watching like a trailer ideas. and looking yeah just like if you see that guy and you see a plane you're gonna be like oh maverick. from a general audience perspective if you go <laughs> yeah. into the theater and saying what movie do i want to watch and then you see top gun maverick and devotion and you watch both trailers and you see they're basically the same I feel like most people are going to want to watch Maverick again before they watch Devotion. Um, that's just my prediction. We'll see what happens at the box office this weekend. Um, so we have very two similar movies coming out. And that's not Devotion's fault. I mean, no, Maverick was supposed to come out years ago. So, and Glenn Powell's a great actor. He has the experience in those planes. So it makes sense to yeah. cast him again. It, it, that's just really unfortunate timing for them. <laughs> um, but you also have Multiverse of Madness, Everything Everywhere, All at Once, uh, two multiverse movies that, released within a month of each other uh very similar premises one did it better than the other uh and that's another thing theme with it i haven't seen devotion yet but like you have one one version of this movie that did it a whole lot better than the other version Mm -hmm. and they're both based in the same year is that is that a coincidence are people like trying to snipe people out and like try to stop them from making money at the theater like is this just a, a crazy coincidence that two Pinocchio movies released in the same year? One was complete and utter garbage and the other was fantastic. I honestly, I don't know mm-hmm. when it comes to, when it comes to Top Gun Maverick and it comes to devotion mm-hmm. and even same thing with everything everywhere all at once and multiverse madness, like everything, every, everything everywhere all at once had such a limited release at the beginning and it kind of grew a little more mm-hmm. and a little more and it had such a weird span of, being in the theater and that is and a little movie that, like that could it, yeah it really <laughs> was it really was compared to the hype that multiverse of madness carried with it um that everyone was waiting for and things like that like i honestly would the four of those movies like in each of their yeah coincidental drops and releases uh-huh. i don't think there's anything like too snipey or too like sure on per like purposeful with those when it comes to this though yeah, I wouldn't hold. I wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. I I wouldn't be surprised if Del Toro was like, 
Tom Hanks, like the Disney one was kind of crap. No one helped yeah, me. Yeah, you got Tom Hanks. Suck we got this. literally like he everybody just puts, else. <laughs> exactly. He got a great cast. The movie's doing great. Ran it with Netflix on a streaming platform, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's just doing better. Mm-hmm. It's got great reviews. Yeah, that I, I wouldn't be surprised if if he definitely just mm-hmm. kind of did that one to like not like just really blatantly like rub it in their face, but also just to get, get kind of get that win because mm-hmm. he definitely. I almost did. think I don't know if it'll be a gal a del toro thing just because he has been like trying to get this made for so long i almost wonder if that's a disney thing of like of them trying to rush there yeah let's let's push our version out again because it's essentially the same as the original but disney disney doesn't they don't rush movies to sacrifice quality though no that (laughs) (laughs) they would never do such a thing they would never why would you why would i'm I'm sorry why would i suggest such a (laughs) such a terrible thing for a company to do i don't know i think it really that that makes more sense honestly Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think it emphasizes kind of. I mean, Disney is doing a lot of really great things. Just in gen, I mean, they're buying a lot of really great things. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, and I feel like Disney's really putting an emphasis on what it looks like to. I saw this earlier. Like someone was talking about like how superhero movies are called franchises, and the fact that they call them a franchise that in themselves. That in itself just says that their only focus is on making money, which I don't entirely disagree with. Um, I think there's a little, I mean, when you have multiple movies that are part of the same thing, it's it's a franchise. Mm-hmm. It's just how yeah, that's it's how all it connected. Yeah. But I see what he's trying to say. Um, like Disney's there very much. They're focused on making content that people that are, are going to sell really well. Whereas Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio was very much a labor of love, mm-hmm. and was very much. Um, there were, it was very clear that he appreciated the source material. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's just something I've been thinking about because I was just listening to like the most life changing podcast ever with the editor for Cobra Kai, um, which is a weird thing I never thought I would say. But like, <laughs> I was like, what? wait, what? <laughs> uh, but yeah, like he was talking about like he got the job for Cobra Kai because it like and the reason that Cobra Kai is successful while all these other legacy sequels aren't mm-hmm. is because there is genuine love for the karate kid for, yeah. and that carries over into cobra kai you want to hear more of our thoughts on cobra kai go listen to our cobra kai episode yeah. um it's a great show shameless dude. shameless plug right there um <laughs> but yeah like there, there's obviously a genuine love and a genuine like care for the source material and so he was able to bring something new to the table that was mm. interesting but was also able to honor what was initially written in the initial yeah. story. And you still have all those exact same themes with the backdrop of Mussolini and fascist Italy. Like it's just, yeah, this, I think this is a masterclass and how, and how to do not necessarily remakes because it isn't, but how to do retellings of the same story over and over and over yeah. again. And um, do it well. And do it well. Yeah. It's not, it's not the same thing that we've seen a million times with a different cast and a different, art style right. this is a this is truly stands alone and it's truly its own unique thing mm-hmm. and honestly i feel like bouncing off that right there just with it being its own unique thing kind of standing alone not being a major part of a major franchise or having connected to anything mm-hmm. like honestly in today's time with the movies coming out and everything just seeming to be disney or marvel or some attached way of something mm-hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of these people, like a lot of these directors and these movies coming out, like don't want to take the risk on something being so unique as standalone, but every it's done so well though. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like when you, yeah, when they pitch those ideas, like what Del Toro said, like in, even in that quote, he's like, none of the movies are what I, or none of the movies I want to do are easy and they don't belong to anything or anyone, you know, that wants to do at that time. 
like, yeah, that's kind of like a risk that you might have to take, but like they, do, they end up doing mm-hmm. so much better because they're so refreshing. Uh-huh. And it does give me hope with that quote. Part of the reason I included mm-hmm. it was because like, like he says, like no one would do superheroes when he did Hellboy. Yeah. And Hellboy is one of the, was one of the movies that really kind of sparked They're like the early greats of the superhero. Yeah. Like that nineties yeah. superhero movie that really is like, Oh wow, this is actually kind of good. Mm-hmm. Like we can maybe do something with this Pacific yeah. room came out. And then what happened after that? We got all sorts of Kaiju movies yeah. that started to rise up again. We got yeah. remakes of Godzilla and King Kong. Um, so I'm not saying it's entirely Guillermo del Toro's um, fault that we have all of these yeah. resurgences and things, but it does give me hope that like he is a, enough of a visionary mm-hmm. that maybe, Maybe this will like yeah. bring more, like, I would love to see more of like the Grimm's fairy tales. Yeah, but I was literally, I'm not getting in my head. Yeah, like I was, I was literally just thinking of like, um, is it just Hansel and Gretel? I yeah, think. I never saw that one. That was one I wanted to see. Never went and saw that, but like anytime, like there's a retelling of like those. Yeah, those like either Disney or just like the super happy fairy tale, happy endings. Mm-hmm. That just aren't, and it's just such like a wild way of looking at that. Mm-hmm. But when they're done well, like it's kind of fun. Like it's so fun. I, I would love to see like the true story of the Disney princesses and then just like do Cinderella, but like the actual version of Cinderella, like not the whole like, oh, it's great. Like, no well, bibbity boppity boo. Yeah, no yeah. bibbity boppity boo, where you gotta like, doesn't she like cut her like feet so she like fits in the, the slippers slipper or, or something? something? Yeah. I feel or like that's a cuts thing. Because of the glass or something. Yeah, it's. Yeah, like I yeah. wanna see that version. Maybe that's a little dark. That's a little dark. That's a, <laughs> it's a little dark um, out of context. That's not going to be a, a six. I mean, that's the thing reel. with like the, the Hansel girl. Like one thing I heard with that though, is they do like note to the book or whatever. Cause like at one point, you know, the kids are captured by the witch or whatever, trying to eat them, mm-hmm. making them all fast so she can eat them. And then they have to run and to get out of the woods or something. They have to get through this door and there's a lock and homegirl cuts off her finger and uses it as a key. And they like show that. And I'm like, that is the crazy. Like that's so like, you don't take your kids. You don't let your kids see that. But that's yeah. like the adult version of fairy tale. What's that mm-hmm. been like? You know? Yeah. It's like but I wonder. Like it, I feel like in an era, this we're in an era now too, where a lot of with legacy sequel stuff, like mm-hmm. the content is growing with the audience, and so I wonder yeah. if I wonder if there would be an audience for something like that for. Like we're getting, we're getting, we're getting a little, little wacky now. <laughs> we definitely are. But like, but here's the, like, honestly take Del Toro's Pinocchio. Like that is like the example. Like it's, it is dark. It's heavy. It still has the fun numbers, the musical numbers. It still has the comedy and the little lightheartedness, but it's also like, I mean, this version includes Pinocchio dying <gasps> several times. So many times. And the conversation yeah. of what does it mean to, to be, be a, a real boy? boy? Cause like in the Disney version, the, the fairy goes and, bibbity bobbity booze and then he's oh look i'm a real boy and that's it mm-hmm. here it's no you are still a puppet you yeah. just you just get to walk and talk and experience life and then you're gonna but you aren't living a life be, yeah um and i i love the ambiguity of it all of sebastian J. cricket dies and he's like yeah i haven't heard about him in a while uh he's probably exploring the world he might die one day we don't know oh, like i yeah. love like i don't know it's just it brings a whole new perspective yeah. and a whole new like hit like it's a completely i didn't cry during this movie, but i was definitely emotional watching yeah. a wooden puppet dude like, i bawled my eyes <laughs> just come <laughs> <to his thing. laughs> yeah especially for it to be just like i mean and when he's first brought alive he's just this naive like he's never seen the world he's trashing the apartment he's running around and then to literally go through like a couple weeks months sort of time and mm-hmm yeah just i mean it's such and become heavy, depressed yeah to literally <laughs> learn depression anxiety like all these things in like a month's time of being a real uh-huh. boy like bro but yeah no it's a 
it was, like I said, a more wild, heavier take on the thing. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I think for a lot of people who, yeah, would have watched, watched the Disney version or like read the book or something that like you're growing up, I feel like that's definitely, that's the audience for this. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm not, you're not showing this to your kids. You're not showing this to. I'm curious know. to see what the backlash is because I'm sure that there are going to be parents who see, oh, look, it's Pinocchio. Let's show our children this. And I, I'm curious if. Do you know, I got surprising. I've heard from several families. Mm-hmm. Kind of the shock and backlash for the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. This is kind of off the point, but like where they started it with their kids and they got a few minutes into it and they were just like, I mean, yeah, I, well, I was turning to no. when I was watching you like, <laughs> it was they're a getting drunk. Aggressive. Like, yes. They're going to, the whole, a whole part a little, of yeah. this movie is that they get drunk and they do stupid things. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah. And a lot of families like, yeah, we didn't make it too far into it. Or like a few of the guys I was talking to, they're just like, yeah, like we watched it without the kids. And but to just, be fair, I don't think there's a lot that kids would. Pick up, it would go over their head. I don't think they would appreciate of much of that special anyway. No, there's not, no, no, no child on this earth knows who Kevin Bacon is. Yeah, there's down. not a lot of flashy no offense to homie, but like, fighting or anything like that. So yeah. I think, I think that's okay, but I could definitely yeah. still see it being an issue. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's that's an interesting conversation. But same thing for, for this. I totally see yeah, people turning this on. They start it up uh-huh. and they just turn it off pretty quick. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie, though. <laughs> Fantastic movie. Everybody should watch it, just maybe not with children. Just maybe not with your kids. Uh, so, yeah, we've been discussing Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. When we come back, um, we're going to dive into uh, some of our real-world origins. Uh, I always get excited when I when I hear about stop motion. Stop motion has a special place <laughs> in my heart, and I think I think it is one of the most underappreciated uh, forms of art, forms of art and storytelling. Um, it's totally not biased. Uh, even a little bit i do generally believe that and i think that this part of the reason that this works was was because it was told in that kind of style and that's why it was made on that budget and um, we're going to dive in a little more into stop motion and maybe you'll appreciate it as much as we do by the end of the episode so stick around download the anchor app We are back. We're back. Discussing the art of stop motion animation. Yeah. Because Pinocchio is a stop motion animated movie. It is. That's one of the biggest, like, factors. The biggest draw I had for this movie. Oh, 100%. That was the only main reason I was like... I had zero interest in this movie until I started seeing the featurettes of how they made it and everything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh. That's stop motion. I need to check this out. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Graham, we uh we we know a thing or two about stop motion. We do. Yeah. We do. Um, we have. For the vast majority of people that hopefully don't know, um back 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 in the day, a few people we were, that know us. We were we were some stop motion maniacs. Yeah. Um we we made all sorts of videos using using and some Legos stop motion and techniques. Stop motion apps uh, and Yeah. Doing it all on the phone, it was a it was a whole. Dude, thing. not even the phone. We had our straight up iPods. Like the <laughs> i, we had our iPod That's Touch. That's true. We would prop. I remember I used to. I would take a book. I'd prop it up on like the table, have it level where I needed it, and I thought I was being like a genius at this point in time because I took 
the OG Apple Air earbuds. Oh, Air yeah, you had to AirPods. take the headphones. And, then you and had I to plugged use... it in and used the volume thing to click. So oh. I didn't move my camera and then I'd move and I'd click and I'd move and I'd click. I just felt like I was a straight up pro. I was like, no one no, has I tech bought, that beats this here. I bought a uh, I bought a desk clamp for lighting. <laughs> yeah. And then I also, I took um, I took a piece of paper and I taped it to the end of it to make it like a soft box. <laughs> and oh it's funny looking. Bro, that was straight up catch fire. <laughs> well, no, Such no, a bad no, idea. I, no, no, I left. It was like a U shape. So like it, I would take the two ends oh, okay, and okay, I okay. put it on there. So it was still like so lots concave, of open so it was space. A, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just funny looking out in front of me right now and seeing an actual camera on an actual tripod and not, not a little Lego tripod that I made. Um, and an actual an actual fancy light with an actual light box. Bro, we glowed um, up. We had a glow up. We literally glowed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. It's crazy just to think like, like looking back on it, how much at least for me, how much I learned about yeah. all of this stuff, and how much of an appreciation I grew to have for all of this. Yeah. But I didn't like. I didn't know that I was putting a piece of paper on it to soften the light. Like I didn't understand how mm -hmm. that all worked. I just figured out that it did. Yeah. And I called that was good enough for me. Like, I don't know. Like it was, it's interesting how like, that's how we got our start at a, I feel that's a very untraditional way to do things, it, especially yeah. when we did have iPods that could just record straight video. And instead of just having us, I mean, we did do, we did do some actual like live action, short films and things. Oh, don't even bring that up, bro. Oh <laughs> but, no, those are buried, dude. Those, we never did those. We but never did those. I don't know. It was, it was interesting <laughs> how like we figured out that it was a lot easier for us to make something that looked, yeah. at the time we thought it looked good. <laughs> Looking back on it, I'm scared to look back on it, to be honest. I remember just like doing, like sitting there doing the math. Like doing it backwards, being like, I need to make a two minute video. Uh huh. How many frames do I need to put in this to make it not look just like it is barely moving? Like, mm -hmm. like it was just like, yeah, we were, we were what? How old do you think we were? Mm, no older than 13, maybe. I feel like 13 oh, bro, might I be a little. We maybe like, maybe like 10. Maybe I mean, like we definitely started earlier than that, but I feel like no older than 13. Oh yeah. No, no way. I feel like, yeah, maybe like 10 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just like, but yeah. it's impressive for that 10 year old. We had yeah. like the patience to the creativity and just the, to sit yeah. there and do that. Yeah, um, we were like geniuses. We were, so we just, we were, up. we were child prodigies. Everybody, yeah. everybody applaud us in the comments, please. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But, uh, but something has been something that's been interesting to me and I've always appreciated it. And I've always enjoyed like movies and things that utilized it like Pinocchio. Um, but I realized I didn't know a lot about the history of stop motion. So I figured, for at least a little bit, yeah, we could dive into like the history of it all, like the different uses of it, why it's used in different scenarios and things like that. Um, if you wouldn't mind going on this adventure, going through, back in time a bit, yeah, we're going. Oh, I should put Let's my Back it. to the Future poster. Up. I was gonna say that would have been great. Oh, that would have <laughs> been so good. Okay. Anyway, so we're gonna go all the way back to 1898. Um, 1898. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I should probably start. Uh, stop motion is the art of taking pictures and moving them, each picture moving something within the frame slightly. And when you put them all together, it looks like it's moving. Like mm -hmm. when you take like, like the, frame like, by frame, when you take the little notebook and you like would write, like make drawings in the corner and then you like flip, oh, flip, like really little flip books. Yeah. Yeah. The flip books. Yeah. The, those are stop motion kind of. Um, yeah, it's the same kind of idea. Um, okay. Yes. So the, yeah, stop motion, just taking like 
actual figures and things and moving them around to make them look like they are alive. And so the very first, the what's believed to be the first stop motion animation is the Humpty Dumpty Circus uh, made between 1897 and 1898 by, um, it's like by, by directors J. Stuart Blackton and Albert E. Smith. Uh, they used uh, their daughter's dolls to imagine the acrobats, the animals in motion. Um, yeah, uh, that was the very first one. I haven't seen this clip before, uh-uh. but I'm looking at the image here. Uh, I'll leave a link down to where we're getting this timeline from. Yeah. Uh, for, it's from the rap. Uh, Which one thing I'm going to say, and this yeah. might be the dumbest thing I've ever said, I might be shooting myself in the foot. Anything that's black and white mm-hmm. used to just terrify me as a kid. Like no shot I would have ever seen this clip and been like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's normal. Absolutely not. That would have. Mm. Interesting. No, that was straight terror. That was nightmare fuel right there. Same thing with the this next one. Yeah, absolutely not. If I saw yeah. that, no way am I sleeping that night. Yeah, so we're we're, we're going to jump ahead <laughs> of a few years, uh, back over to 1902, and this is kind of where I would have put the start. Um, a trip to the moon. Uh, it was an early short uh, that was made, and like it's it's iconic in cinema history in general. Um, it was this big film, uh, and they used stop motion to make it look like a rocket ship had. Uh, gone into the moon and the moon has like a face on it and it looks incredibly creepy if you um, yeah if you ask me um but like they used stop motion the whole film wasn't stop motion it was just this one aspect of it yeah. um was using stop motion to help elevate the story and to help create a rocket ship flying into the moon um hmm. and yeah it's iconic in cinema history uh and then after that i mean you get lots of Lots of classic things. So you have The Lost World in 1925 based on Arthur Conan Doyle's fantasy of the same war- name. Uh, the Tale of the Fox is another very famous one uh, that you mm-hmm. may have heard of. Um, and the list goes on and on. Uh, I'm going to jump all the way up to 1961 uh, with the creation of Gumby. I feel like that's where a lot of people's um, early... Without realizing it, they probably... Early yeah. like, recognition of stop motion really comes yeah. in. Uh because Gumby is an iconic character, um, and that was using claymation. Yeah, it's still stop motion, but they yeah. refer to it as claymation because they were taking these clay figures um, and creating their own characters. They weren't using mm-hmm. actual like dolls and stuff Puppets like that. And, yeah, um, yeah, they were just they were made out of clay, and so it was a new style. It looked very different, and they could do a lot more things more easily because with clay you can move them in literally any. Mm-hmm. direction you want in any way you want yeah um and so it's a lot easier especially for like facial expressions for example oh, um, yeah. you can just move the clay on their faces and then you can have them do different things and so it's a lot easier to make actual characters using the claymation subgenre of stop motion i guess is how i'll put that mm-hmm. that makes sense to yeah. me <laughs> um I think another iconic use of stop motion, and I feel like one of the bigger uses, um, and I think one of the one of the ways that it was, it's why it's so important, um, is Jason and the Argonauts. There's the very iconic scene of Jason fighting the skeleton army, um, and the skeletons were all created using stop motion. Um, and so, I mean, it's a pretty interesting technical achievement, the fact that they were able to have a live actor be in a sort fight with a bunch of skeletons that weren't actually there because they would have been animated afterwards. Um, Jason Argonauts come out in 1963. Uh, this, oh, I want to see that clip. It, it's, curious. that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, 
highly recommend checking. It's it's. I mean, it looks awful. I mean, just <laughs> yeah. It's it's the sixties and. It's they didn't really have the technology, but it was really ambitious for them mm-hmm. to do. Um, and it was one of those things that kind of paved the way to the modern uh, superheroes fighting uh, the faceless beings kind of thing. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was, I mean, stop motion was allowing these early storytellers to tell stories that they wouldn't be able to um, in a different kind of way. Um, Cause they could have told the story of Jason. They could have had people dress up, and skeleton costumes mm-hmm. and had a fight and that would have been one thing but it would have been really expensive to do that um and also it would not be as terrifying as actual skeletons where you can see through their rib cages right. um and again it was also a lot cheaper to do it this way um so i mean that's a bonus points you're able to do it for cheaper and you're able to make it more effective mm-hmm. obviously you're going to go with that and so while yes the technology was still very much still developing um it was a very important aspect um, to cinema history. Yeah. Um, I know we're talking about cinema history, but let's, it's Christmas time. And we all, we all love Christmas movies. Uh, particularly, I feel like the stop motion ones have just stood the test of time. Yeah. I saw, I don't know what channel it was on. Cause I feel like all the, the, like the cable channels are going up. I was at work and they had like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer was on. And I was like, That's oh, crazy. hey, like, I'm going to talk about that on our stop motion episode for Pinocchio yeah. in a couple of days. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. Did you grow up watching these movies like I did? No. You didn't? You didn't? You didn't I watch? I think I maybe saw like Frosty the Snowman. That was like that straight animation. I don't yeah, think I ever watched it. No. Interesting. Like, yeah. And like, honestly, I've always had a love for it. And I, mm-hmm. no, I can, I don't think I ever watched anything that was like claymation style, um, mm-hmm. stop motion any of these really yeah interesting i had a whole like box set of like all of the it's like a christmas box set the heck and it had like the frosties on it but then it had mm-hmm. like rudolph and all of these odd looking claymation like styled christmas stories hmm. um but i mean it's interesting how like they they told oh, the story wait, 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 wait. i literally <laughs> i'm actually so dumb i did see one Okay. A claymation Christmas. A claymation Christmas. Yeah. That's like an actual movie. Okay. Yeah, that I saw. Should I should I know this? I don't know. I thought maybe you did. Maybe you would. I've never Hold heard on. of it. Because I remember like Rudolph and I remember there was like a Saint Nick yeah. one. Well, that's just movies, but... Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay, so... Okay. So you, you're... <laughs> you are thinking of the movies that I'm, I'm hey, referring wait. to. You just... Yeah. Yeah. So we had, yeah, so we had the VCR tape, a claymation Christmas celebration that had all of these on there. Okay. So yes, so I you did see them. them. I just, if you would have ever asked me if I saw the year with that Santa Claus claymation, no, no chance. No, uh-huh. I would have told you absolutely not. Uh-huh. Turns out I have seen that. Whoa. I know. This is crazy. Wait, actually, my mind is blown right now. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> carry on. Graham is learning, <laughs> learning things about his childhood that he never knew before. Dude, I never put that VCR in the TV, the TV box thing. I just sat there and it in turned the on. TV box thing. Huh. Interesting. Like I, Come at me. No, I don't know. Uh, but I, I think it's interesting how, I mean, Rudolph Runner's Anger Deer came out in 1964. Um, That's insane. Which, how else would you tell that story about a flying reindeer with red nose in 1964 without it being the gimmicky? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, it, there's something magical to claymation because it's obviously animated. Mm-hmm. This is before CG technology is available. Yeah. 
And so, I mean, they could have made a 2D animation of some sort, and that would have been, like, everything else that was out at that point in time in this kind of genre. But, like, seeing 3D models moving around and doing things, like, that... I wish I could be, like, in the 60s and see that. And, like, I feel like that would be really magical to witness. That would be awesome. Like, seeing the depth and actual camera work. Mm -hmm. And, obviously, it's not real, but, like, it... It's, how does that... It's it still so compute. impressive. No, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's still such a, like, feat and just, like, the... Dude, I just drew the fattest blank I've ever had. You but did. Yeah, just, uh... No, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. And then I'll I'll jump ahead uh, even more uh, to the 90s, uh, to kind of where I first was introduced to a lot of stop motion. Um, were you a fan of Wallace and Gromit? I never fan? got to see it. I never got to watch the show. I was obsessed with Wallace and Gromit. Really? I don't know why. I don't know what it was about it, but I would watch it all the time. Like, the moon was cheese. It was, like, my favorite thing in the world. Um and then my favorite movie for a long time was Chicken Run in the year 2000. Um, that's another one. It was all stop motion, claymation, animated. Um, loved those movies. I didn't realize that that's what was going on, of course. Um, but I hmm. wonder if that's part of why I why I'm I was gravitated to towards yeah. stop motion animation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I loved I loved those movies. They were very interesting and unique style. Yeah. Um, and from there, I feel like I don't need to really <laughs> emphasize too much. I mean, notable ones are Coraline, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, I mean, that's Wes Anderson's. One of Wes Anderson's greatest films, and Wes Anderson is known for his quirky, wacky style, and he was able to incorporate that using stop motion as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Stop motion just has a very, a very interesting mm -hmm. history. It's had a very important mark and a very big stamp on cinema oh, history and where we are now um and i think it's it's a little unfortunate that not, not a lot of people um appreciate it yeah. the way that it should be yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything more recent because like even just on this list from the rap the the most recent thing it drops not most recent necessarily but like the 2009 fantastic mr fox mm -hmm. i do remember seeing that i saw that movie mm -hmm. um i can't personally think of anything recent, uh there's like, like it's there's nothing there's particularly great um, and stop motion is still used a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I remember like Sean the Sheep was out on on like Disney Channel in the mornings when I was a kid. Love that show. It is was that just, all stop motion. Yeah, it was just it was oh. just a it was just a little sheep who would get in trouble all the time. And I think it was it was in like the same style as Wallace and Gromit. So I wonder. I don't know if it actually is like in the those. same creators or <laughs> universe or whatever. Um, but yeah, I really like Sean the Sheep. That was a stop motion thing. Um, in fact, I was watching Sean the Sheep while I was, like, making stop motions. Like, I remember thinking, like, oh, like, I remember putting two and two together and realizing <laughs> that, that that's what was going on. And then I felt, like, really special because I was like, oh, I can make these two. If they can do it, I can do it. Obviously. There's nothing. I'm, yeah. like, the greatest because they're doing it on TV. <laughs> and I'm doing the same thing. And it's totally to the same cali caliber and quality <laughs> as, yeah. as Disney Channel is making. Um, <sighs> yeah, I don't know. That's just a little bit of stop motion. Uh, history uh, very quickly, not very thorough and thought out. But if you if you do want a more thorough thought out um, explanations behind everything and a little more detailed history, uh, I'll leave this article by the wrap in yeah. the show notes below. Um, Graham, do you think that the, we talked about it a little bit at the end of the last segment? But like, people are going to see Pinocchio mm -hmm. and they're going to see it's animated, um, 
and they're instantly going to think that this is for children, which we've kind of established is probably not the greatest, probably mm-hmm. not the appropriate mindset. Um, I don't blame people for thinking yeah. that, but it's just going to happen. Um, do you think that like a movie like this can introduce more people to stop motion without them instantly thinking that it's a children's movie? Because even like Fantastic Mr. Fox, it's a fantastic film, but it's very much a children's film. It's on Disney Plus. Yeah. Coraline um, is designed for children. A I don't lot of know these- how I won't watch that movie. I don't like that movie. Coraline. No, that's terrifying, but that's not a kid's movie. <laughs> Okay. That movie don't make I don't like that movie. That's fair. I mean, that's fair. But I feel like stop motion is very much associated with children. Right. Um, But like I said, like with Jason Argonauts, like stop motion was used because it was more terrifying Mm -hmm. to have stop motion skeletons than it was for people in stupid skeleton costumes. Do you think that like a movie like Pinocchio, where this is probably the best that stop motion has ever been, to be honest. Yeah. um, By far. Yeah. Do you think that a movie like this could potentially pave the way for more stop motion animation and like allowing people to tell stories in such a unique way. Yes. If people give it a chance though. Sure. Like that's the thing. I think that's the biggest thing is because I don't even think like, I mean, people might see like a trailer for this and be like, Oh, that is a kid's movie or Mm -hmm. like, yeah, they'll just attach it to the idea that Pinocchio is a kid's movie. So that's a kid's movie. But like, like, I don't know. I honestly wish that they were more like, not like in the like X style rating, like adult movie, but like more just like adult driven, like movies that were like in this fashion. Like, mm-hmm. cause there aren't like, there's nothing that I like we would go see that is like, and like a fixation of movies that we watch now that would be have mm-hmm. like any relation with stop motion just cause of CGI. But I honestly, I would love to see way more movies with a stop motion mm-hmm. style. And I honestly think, yeah, if, if they were made a little more often mm-hmm. and that's the tricky thing, those they're not being made because there's not too much, hype behind it necessarily sure but i feel like if they were if, if someone did send it with stop motion i feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people would adapt and adopt it and well and i wonder too like because we always talk about how practical effects are mm-hmm. always better than cg always and i think i won't maybe not always 90 yeah, well, yeah. of the time <laughs> say, practical yeah. effects are better than having cg yeah and so i wonder like if we started taking more things and we started using more stop motion techniques like, imagine, for example, if you did, like, a Harry Potter remake. Instead of having all the magic be CG, like, what if what if you had, like, pots... Like, if you did, like, WandaVision, for example. Yeah. They didn't do stop motion necessarily, but, like, all the magic stuff in those first more episodes practical were practical because yeah. that's how they would have done it. Do you think it could look better? I mean, with the technology... We're using modern technology yeah. and using some CG and things, like... Could having stop motion animation and having an actual practical thing moving as opposed to yes, I I would honestly almost one hundred percent of the time say yes to that. Mm-hmm. The, and I think the only reason we don't see it is just I mean no offense to anyone really, but like people are just lazy; they're just not going to. Well, it's like I think it depends on it takes a, a long time. I and mean, Guillermo del Toro has been working on no, this it def- for no, and that's, that's the thing. But like, I it's just a think, very long process. Yeah. Um, it can be cheaper because you can just make a couple puppets mm-hmm. and then you don't have to hire actors and you, and you can have a smaller set, I exactly. suppose. Yeah. Um, so the money balances out in that regard. Mm-hmm. But when you are making like a Marvel movie, for example, like that would cost a lot of money to take yeah. all of that time. I mean, they obviously aren't taking any time to make anything now. <laughs> so they're definitely not going right. to do a stop motion in, in a Marvel movie. But hypothetically, if they did, like 
they would take more time, so they wouldn't be able to re- release it, which would lose the money, right? Hypothetically, um, they would be working alongside actual actors and things, so like that would be more expensive. Yeah. It would take a lot more time to like map Edit that app and, and work it yeah. out. So as much as I think it would be effective mm-hmm. in terms of a storytelling element, I do think there would be a financial hit and a time, definitely, a, amount of time that you can take. Yeah, but I think I mean I think it kind of falls between the lines of like if you want. You know, quality takes time for mm-hmm. most things, and especially like because, like I said, like it would look fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think it would look great every single time. I don't think you could really go wrong with it, in especially most cases. with a Marvel movie budget. Exactly, like you have the money to do it. I mean, with the rushing recently, you have mm-hmm. no time whatsoever. But like, if they were given the time, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And even just, I think, because going back to what I was saying with like the Christmas, mm-hmm. a claymation Christmas mm-hmm. stuff, um, stuff stuff um i feel like even if you just took more of these animated movies that are coming out and stopped mm-hmm. doing so much cg but made them stop motion it could be a yeah. totally different effect mm-hmm. um like one of my favorite movies is how to train your dragon and i didn't know this but did you know there was like a live how to train your dragon show like they would do it in arenas and they had like actual like dragon yeah puppets. yeah like a, like a like a disney on ice kind of style but like yes. yeah where you could go to a, yeah it looks terrifying oh yeah i'm watching like this is like the most horrifying <laughs> thing i've ever seen yeah but like that would be that could be really cool if they could right. find a way let's still keep it all animated mm-hmm. but make it like a claymation mm-hmm. style which that movie already kind of is yeah. re- replicating it's cg but it was early earlier stages yeah. of cg so it still very much looked very claymation-y so what if it was just claymation? See, I think that, and that's the thing. I think with the better technology they would have had in 2010. Mm-hmm. See, I think kind of tie in what we were talking about with like the Grimm's fairy tales. Like, say mm-hmm. you do like, say someone's like, "Hey, I want to string out all these movies. I want to make them dark. I want to make them real. Don't make them live action. Make them claymation." Like, I feel like I feel like that's the thing. If you if someone was like mm-hmm. going to make an animated movie, and I feel like that like, would they would have to be presented with the idea do claymation mm-hmm. or animation like do it either or because I don't motion, I right? don't think this I don't think Game of the Toro's Pinocchio would work in live action like, like even if Pinocchio Tom was was <laughs> even Disney's if Tom Hanks not. like or not Tom even if Pinocchio yeah was still like a wooden puppet like mm-hmm. clay like could be still stop machine animated and everything yeah I don't think it would work just because part of the reason that it does work is the aesthetic of it all right seeing Mussolini be like a two foot man like two foot like fat man like it yeah. made it just part of the reason this worked was because of the style and the aesthetic yeah. that it was creating with stop motion I agree mm-hmm. I don't think having a more true to the source version of a grim fairy tale mm-hmm. would work in live action mm-hmm. and maybe that's why it hasn't been done mm-hmm. hardly at all i wonder yeah. if it was made in this kind of style where you can make things a little grittier and a little more interesting to look at um yeah. if it would if that's how like something like that because you also you just have way more freedom i mean it's like the same idea with like cgi like mm-hmm. you can do relatively anything mm-hmm. same thing with claymation just make it build it put it in there frame by frame like there you go you know stop motion claymation whatever you know it's all but it's a, yeah it's all the same yeah so yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, I would love to see like so so many more movies, especially in this like in this fashion. The way that they did Pinocchio would mm-hmm. be, I wouldn't complain at all. I would love it. But yeah, I one hundred percent agree. I just don't think people will take the risk for it. No, no, they won't. It's, it's I mean, it maybe maybe after this time though, and money. Maybe after this though. I mean, yeah, I'm very I'm very hopeful. Well, like I said earlier, if you do take if you either make your own like said, do the Grimm's Fairy Tales, like make your own franchise of mm-hmm. these movies, so that way you don't have to you know, compete with rushed 
you know, products or you don't have to compete with getting things out on mm-hmm. time. Just do your own thing that no one else is like doing. Cause same thing with Pinocchio. Like, yeah, we've actually ended up, we ended up getting three Pinocchios in the past two years, but like, it's not attached to anything. Even with those other movies coming out, it's its own standalone. Like mm-hmm. just, I feel like if someone took the idea with that and ran like in this same manner, I feel like it would do great. Just mm-hmm. like how this did. I mean, it, he doubled his money in one weekend. What if, what if, I'm I'm really just like you know going way out and spitballing. <laughs> what if like Netflix or someone did like a show where it's just an anthology series? It's called The Grim Fairy Tales, and it was just like one hour retellings of the story. And that way, I feel like that could be a little easier of a sell. You yeah. wouldn't have to go as extreme as we're gonna have this take place in the backdrop of fascist Italy, right? Like, <laughs> right. It could be. I wonder if that would be more of a compelling sell because. The problem with this ultimately mm-hmm. is just finding the money to do it. Yeah, I absolutely. think there's an audience for it. Absolutely. Um, I think people would go, this movie is proof mm-hmm. of it. And hopefully that future endeavors and people who have these ideas as well. See, I think future endeavors this might movie. not have that problem necessarily. Like mm-hmm. the time will always be that you're going to have to take time for these things. But and that's what but I'm another, a, another aspect of it too is Guillermo del Toro. This isn't Pinocchio. This is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Right. That is what it's called. Mm-hmm. So you have that name attached to the front of it. Mm-hmm. Even people who don't necessarily can you can't name a Guillermo del Toro movie can probably still recognize the name and know that that's a famous director yeah, or famous movie person of some sort. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, there's a lot of factors that go into Mm -hmm. the potential of something else like this being made. I really hope something else like this is made. Yeah. Cause I would love to see it. Yeah. Um, This was definitely, can we call up Netflix? Do we know the number? Uh, yeah, let well, me just let me let me just call. Back. We're gonna go pitch. Let me stuff. let me just call my contact at Netflix really quick, yeah. uh, and we'll let you know how this goes. <laughs> because we we have a, we have a very vast portfolio of our stop motion uh, directing <laughs> skills. <laughs> so we're this is this isn't gonna be a problem whatsoever. No, not at all. Graham, do you have any final thoughts on Pinocchio or stop motion as an art form? Um, last things I would say is just is for a lot of people, just give it a chance. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are going to bring it back to the childhood recognition it has or childish movies that it can pull from or if they grew up like Nightmare Before Christmas, Cor- Coraline, things like that. Uh, they're just going to relate to that. Separate it. If you can, just try and separate it and mm-hmm. just enjoy the movie. Like I said, I went in like nothing, no expectations. Mm-hmm. It was great. I think if you do the same thing, and, and I mean, besides my opinion, take our opinion, but no one yeah. else's. Yeah. Yeah, I... <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I think you liked it more than I did, which isn't mm-hmm. anything wrong with that. Yeah. I did really like the movie. Uh, just, it is what it is. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, it, yeah I, I love seeing stop motion kind of being able to take center stage for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciate the fact that the, a lot of the featurettes, even some of the trailers are showing the, some of the process. Yeah. And so people can be more uh, intrigued by it. Um, and I'm Absolutely. really excited to see... Uh, what this movie can mean for the future of the art form. Yeah. You've been listening to the Popcorn Hangover. We've been discussing Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I'm Alex. That is Graham. Let us know what your thoughts were on Pinocchio and stop motion over on all the things, Instagram, TikTok, patreon.com slash the popcorn hangover. Next week, we're going to get prepped for Christmas and we're going to get a little violent. Uh, That is your tease for next week. Uh, That's all I got for you. That's good. Peace. (laughs) 